All right. Well, welcome everybody to episode 42 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And this week, we don't have any F1, but we do have some really uh, interesting kind of varied car news to catch up on. And the first thing that I, you know, we both thought was pretty interesting was uh, Hertz Rental Car Company, which obviously is one of the biggest rental car companies um, in the country and uh, just had recently gone through uh, bankruptcy uh, kind of related to obviously the travel downturn during the COVID-19 pandemic and and everything. So they've come out of bankruptcy and they have announced plans to buy 100,000 Tesla cars uh, for their North American and European rental fleets. And um, what's even more interesting is after announcing that deal, they said that up to half of those vehicles are going to be made available to uber drivers in an expanded rental program so an uber oh, driver, i didn't hear that that's interesting yeah it's kind of interesting so basically the idea being one you're going to have people that are just renting them because they're traveling or whatever but if you're an uber driver you can rent say a model three or a model y or whatever they're going to have and for i think they said like 335 dollars a week or something like that you can uh yeah 334 dollars a week before taxes Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a Tesla for a week. And so, you know, you charge it, you're doing, I mean, Ubers and, and the like are obviously very popular in heavily populated cities where you right. would want electric cars to be running around, um, right. from smog purposes and pollution purposes. So it seems like a good idea, but I think there are some drawbacks, um, <laughs> which we'll, which we'll talk about, but, um, you know, this actually gave a huge boost to stock, uh, Tesla stock, actually, after this was announced and made their valuation close to. And I think it eventually capped $1 trillion, which is just Looney Tunes. But what what did you think about this uh, this deal? I, I You know, I can see it in kind of both ways. I do think that as a consumer, it would be kind of a cool way to try out an electric car if I was mm-hmm. on the fence and yeah. I talked with some people, but didn't really know what it was like to live with it. And mm-hmm. so from that perspective, it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool way to experience electric car, but not mm-hmm. have to, you know, buy one and mm-hmm. own one to know if it's a good idea or not. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have fit your life first. Yeah, because, you know, presumably a lot of these things would be, okay, I'm flying out to L.A. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be out there for a week and I'm mostly going to stick around L.A. Right. And and so, you know, 300 miles of range is probably enough to get me to and from the airport in and out of my hotel, the destinations and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I got to charge it one night overnight in the parking ramp in the hotel. Mm -hmm. You know, not a huge deal. And I'm like, God, you know, maybe this could work for me. Or, you know, you do a ton of running around and you're like, boy, I live in, you know, the panhandle in Texas. And God, I got a, you know, 100 mile commute every, you know, few times a week. I don't think this is going to work for me. Right. You know, so I think from that standpoint, it's a great way to kind of market it, Mm -hmm. get some more exposure um, to the, the EVs. But like, I think we had kind of offhandedly talked about earlier when this came out, I I really, I hadn't thought about this, but I thought you made a good point when, when you said, does this devalue the, the model three to some extent, you know, Mm -hmm. usually these rental car companies buy up 
roll you know, the junk on the lots that nobody wants, you know, yeah, that they can't sell. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is interesting because, I mean, part of Tesla's mystique outside of just Elon, obviously, is they're the cool, chic, you know, iPhone of cars, right? Like they yeah. kind of brand cachet. And now if your Model 3 or Model Y is going to be sitting, uh, you know, in the rental, f- the, the the motor pool next to, you know, a white Corolla <laughs> and a, a white, you know, Toyota Prius, and, you know, it, it's like, okay, well, does that yeah, the- oversaturation and, and, you know, does that devalue things? And my, my, one of my biggest concerns with all this is the idea of, it's the same problem I have with some of the EV stuff in general is you're going to, we all know how people treat rental cars. Most people drive them like they're stolen. You know, they, they, they run over, they jump curbs, they curb the wheels. They, I mean, they just, cause it's not theirs. You know, people <laughs> don't, don't really give a shit about the rental car and they'll smash the gas coming off of every red light and, you know, slam on the brakes and just be not mechanically sympathetic to the car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so now you're going <clears> to <throat> take that person who maybe has only ever driven, uh, you know, Toyota Camry or, or kind of basic economy cars or whatever their entire life, and put them in a car that, say, it's a Model Three, can do zero to sixty in four seconds, but weighs, you know, whatever fifty five hundred pounds. Okay, well, like that's dangerous. Like yeah. that person's got a higher performance car by miles than anything they've driven, and they're going to drive it like an asshole because that's how most people drive rental cars. <laughs> and the first time they smash the gas coming away from red light, their 5,500 pound car is going to become out of control. And as someone that's going to be sharing the road with these people, that's pretty scary. <laughs> that's pretty scary. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I do. I do wonder a little bit of, about, you know, what are they going to charge? I mean, obviously it's a premium car and people are cu- maybe curious. And so yeah. I, I think uh, 300 bucks a week seems kind of, I don't know, cheap to me. I, I would think yeah. you would want to charge like 500 or something. Yeah. Just so I, that you can kind of limit like the hands that this goes into, mm-hmm. you know, and then um, people have got to be aware of, you know, if they, you know, trash the car or something that there's, you know, should be some consequences in the mm-hmm. fine print for that. Yeah. Hopefully. So <clears throat> yeah. On the plus side, I think for, for a company like Hertz, as long as they like get their mechanics, you know, instructed on, on how to do minor repairs, like, you know, these cars should not require as much maintenance as the rest of their fleet. So yeah, from that standpoint, I think, you know, EVs in general make a good, idea for fleet vehicles you know not necessarily like long-haul trucking but like if you run a construction company like we talked about before with the ford lightning if you run a construction company and all you're doing is just kind of driving around town during the day like it makes perfect sense for for you know that sort of thing and so um it is quite uh it's gonna be quite it's an interesting experiment um you know this hertz is you know either dangerously or admirably jumping 
you know, into the deep end with with the the volume of cars they've they've you know committed to buying from Tesla. Um, yeah. Based on Tesla's production figures, this is basically going to be, I think, like most of the cars that they would produce in this in a given quarter. <laughs> so yeah, <it's> a substantial <laughs> amount of of volume. And I um, think, like you said, it if you take a step back, uh, electric cars, you know, really make a lot of sense for this. And there's probably some markets where they're going to make even more sense, particularly in you know metropolitan areas Mm -hmm. and so i think you know this isn't i think this is the starting place but i do think that your kind of compact inexpensive rental could easily become in the future a ev that has like an you know one of these iron-based batteries which don't get as good a range but who cares because you're in a metropolis Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a compact, inexpensive car right. that, you know, hey, by the way, doesn't actually go crazy fast at all because we get it for cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think once you kind of hit those where, you know, you've got a battery capacity that's not bonkers, but the battery's cheap because it's not made with like cobalt, mm-hmm. um, you can probably drive down costs and then you put in a small motor. Yeah, you know, because zero to sixty in seven seconds is still pretty reasonable, and it improves yeah. your range. Yeah. And so I think like the mass production EV is that a you know the Chevy Bolt is that some non-Tesla manufacturer I think mm-hmm. will eventually make complete sense for these companies, um, and, yeah. and then they're not exposed to you know some of these like what a you know doing a billion freaking oil changes every year we don't have to do that anymore because we have all electric so i think in the long run it does make complete sense for these companies to mainly be electric yeah so this is probably the opening shot of that yeah i agree i mean i think if you know i'm trying to think of pretty much every rental car i've ever had um if i had an ev that had 300 miles of range I probably would have never had to recharge. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and that's, I've had rental cars sometimes up to a week, but like most of the time on, you're on vacation and you're at a, whatever, a hotel resort thing. And maybe you go into the the town to get dinner or you like go do a sightseeing trip and drive to, to the, you know, for example, like last time we were in Hawaii, you know, we did a whale watching trip and we had to drive to the, the where the where the dock was and stuff you know but those are again like they're five ten mile drives you're you're typically not doing road trips in rental cars that often yeah and just as an example you know we took our e-tron up to the north shore of minnesota must have been last year Mm -hmm. and the hotel even up there just had a you know it's a level two charger so it's not like you're super slow two socket but yeah I mean, we could go up there. I think we kind of like drove up there and came mm-hmm. in with kind of an empty tank, charged that one night, mm-hmm. drove around to all our sites. And we usually did a lot of bike- biking and then charged it again one night up yeah. there uh, before we came back. And and so, and your you stuff. know, if you're, yeah, hotel has a, you know, a few chargers that can handle actually a good chunk of people. Yeah. So Yeah, no, I, I. I think it makes a 
I think it makes perfect sense, you know, similar to, to um, you know, kind of renting them out long for longer term deals to the to the Uber drivers. Like, I think it makes perfect sense if you're an Uber driver to have an EV. You know, um, and, and another another reason I think it makes a lot of sense is those hotels, you know, hell, put a premium on the energy you, you charge. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. much. I mean, you could yeah. add a few cents to that it's still cheaper than gas. Yeah. And so you've sure. just you've basically just stepped in the middle of being, you know, like a what is it, a gas station. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you can pocket a few cents off of every kilowatt hour people pump into this. Hey, you just created a sc- subscription um, service. Yeah, you've got you know, another a new revenue stream. stream. Yep, exactly. So, I think there's a lot of opportunities for for these sorts of hospitality industries that if if they're clever enough about it so um yep. but it should be really interesting we'll see how it plays out um but want to move on to you know a non-ev topic <laughs> which yeah. is you know more rare than i would like but uh this week porsche released the first photos of the cayman gt4 rs so this is the kind of the long expected and awaited um you know, multiply spy shotted track version of the of the Cayman. You know, we've had the Cayman GT4 now for a couple of generations and it's been really well regarded aside from some issues with kind of having tall gearing. But otherwise, you know, it's a it's a mid-engine flat six, you know, what's not to like. Supposedly, uh they haven't released specs yet. The speculation is that it's gonna be a naturally atru- naturally aspirated four liter flat six likely over 500 horsepower but the the spy shots were were kind of a mix of kind of alpine driving and then yeah. the video of it uh doing uh uh nurburgring lap time with their one of their factory works drivers and um you know i i am i'm interested to hear what you think about it well honestly you know I'm more interested to hear what you think about it <laughs> because you've got a 911 and I look at this thing and I'm just like, boy, on paper, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's- and if a 911 didn't exist, I think people would look at this and be like, God, that is a great car. Yeah. So I think do it's a- you as a 911 <laughs> owner look at this yeah. and say, these, you know, bastards have a fast. <laughs> cooler car yeah. and so i should go with that i mean so why does this car exist yeah it's so from the from the birth of the cayman there's always been a lot of hand ringing among like porsche <laughs> fanatics that the cayman is this kind of cannibalization of porsche's own marketplace because you're taking everyone <laughs> yeah. who, who might have bought say like a Carrera to like a lower like a base trim mm-hmm. 911 and now they're hopping in a Cayman GTS for the same money yeah. and on paper this car should be better than a 911 instead of being rear engined it's mid engine which should give better balance to the car um it's lighter it's a little bit mm-hmm. smaller um yeah. you know so if you're talking about some some fun agile car for back road driving for track work this really should be better than a 911, quite honestly. Right, and, right. And what's, but Porsche has intentionally hamstrung the Cayman throughout its life, so that it doesn't upstage its its big brother, yeah. so to speak. You know, it's as I mentioned, they've given it tall gears so that 
the acceleration numbers are not super super impressive compared to you know a, you know various 911 variants they have kind of detuned the engine a little bit so it's not making near as much power and then from a pricing standpoint they've made sure to keep a reasonable price gap between the Cayman and the 911 such that they're not kind of cannibalizing their own sales too much um, yeah. <laughs> and I think among Porsche Porsche files, I guess you were kind of, I don't want to say looked down upon, but like, I know the Cayman was what you got if you couldn't afford an analog. I know and that's totally and that's, fine. And that's that, totally yeah. Fine. And that's like, kind of what I think is, is the problem. I mean, you know, as a person, you know, who would potentially own that, Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, I don't want to drive this thing around all the time and 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 get judged that way. Yeah. Um, and because... I mean, that's where I think the interesting discussion will come in because now this thing, the GT4 is like a hundred and I want to say like around 110 grand. So the the RS, at least for the the 911, the RS is usually roughly like I want to say 25, 30 grand more than the GT3. So the GT3 RS is usually about 25, 30 grand more than the GT3. So if that holds true, that would put this into maybe the $140,000, $150,000 range. And at that price point, you've got a real decision to make. Yeah. Because at $140,000, grand, you can get into a gently used GT3. You could get into a, a really well-specced Carrera GTS, which is, some will say, like one of the best all-round car you know, daily car sports cars you can get. So now you're you're truly into nine eleven territory. So oh, hundred yeah. percent. You're not buying this car because you can't afford a nine eleven. You're buying this car yeah. instead of the nine eleven. Yeah. Um, and and be you know presumably because it it's still a little bit of a a cost issue. I wonder because like maybe you want a GT three RS, but you can't quite stretch your budget that far, so you get the GT four RS. But, you know, depending on how this thing is geared, depending on how the engine is tuned, you know, I have well, no like, that Porsche will yeah. make sure that this does not outperform a GT3 RS. Oh, yeah. You know, and the thing but, is, it's kind of like getting back to, you know, we're talking about specs, mm-hmm. like, you know, on the Taycan, looking at the Turbo S and the 4S, it's like, if you're daily driving that commute to work and there's some traffic and stoplights, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're driving like a complete ass hat, right. you're not going to really get use out of that. And so when you look mm-hmm. at this car on paper, it's like, oh, my God, that did a really nice Nuremberg time. Yeah. This thing is going to be a lot of fun. It will just objectively on its own be a lot of fun. Yeah. In a vacuum, you'd be completely sure. satisfied with the purchase. For sure. But then when you compare it and you, you that nagging neuron in the back of your brain that's like, oh, there's one that goes a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this this is we this, this goes back so to our dumb. conversation that you and I had. God, I mean, <laughs> early on in our friendship. I think we were talking about my yeah. uh my STI. The STI. And yeah. I think you had asked me like why I got the STI and not just the WRX. And I said, because it yeah. would have always there would have been a time when I'm at a stoplight with <laughs> and my that's WRX rude. That's rude. and an that's STI rude. pulls up next to me and I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> like if, if I'm going to, so I look at it like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to get the best that's version stupid. of that thing I can get. Um, and, and that's, 
it's a super childish way to look at it. But oh, I know. It, it is what it is. Because objectively, a GT3 manual probably would have been a better, in mm-hmm. some ways, choice for me to get. But I was like, but I want the RS. <laughs> Yeah. I want and I want the big ass wing. I want the you know crazy looks. And and that's where I I honestly when I see people, you know, driving around like you know in those cars, I yeah. think to myself sometimes I'm like, God, you're a better man than I am. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. they don't have you're the same like, a, weird insecurity. Less of a man <laughs> child as I. Am. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. You're yeah. a happier human being. Yeah, no, I know <laughs> they're very secure. It's it is interesting though. So like the design of this car is interesting in that the hood looks like the exact same hood as on it my GT3 RS, <laughs> and the yeah, wing looks good. like it's basically a mod slightly modified version of the wing that's on the new the 992 GT3. It's got the same swan yeah. neck, you know. And the funny thing is that swan neck wing looks a little bit oversized even for the 911, and on a smaller car it really looks. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's it, a wing. It's the know, size of a wing. <laughs> I'm fascinated to hear the specs when they finally come out with them because I think I've there's a company in New York, uh, a guy named uh, I forget his first name, but it's called Demand Motorsports, D A M A N, and he modifies Caymans, a lot of GT4s especially, and he has like a four and a half liter engine that he puts in them, and he redoes the gearing, and they will destroy most 911s. And, and and that's like a I think that his full like engine swap transmission work is like twenty five grand on top of the cost of the car. So like for you can get a Cayman GTS, send it to this guy, and for another twenty five grand, you've got something that can beat nine elevens that cost seventy five eighty grand more. Yeah, and you know, frankly, so potentially, it's just yeah, and being a smaller car it's probably maybe more fun to drive in some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's, like it's, it's, it's going to be extremely ba- well balanced. So I, I think it's fascinating. I'm surprised they actually made, I was surprised they made the GT four and I'm really, I'm surprised they made the GT four RS because the GT four, they still had enough of a price gap, but, but now they truly are overlapping with the nine eleven price range. So yeah. it, it'll be really interesting because it, it becomes yeah. a different yeah, proposition. So yeah. see how that one does, but exciting to see the first real pictures without all the camo and stuff on it. Another really exciting performance car that finally got officially unveiled uh, this past week was the uh, Z06 version of the C8 Generation Corvette. This is a really exciting car. So unlike previous supercharged versions, <coughs> Chevy, I think this is a, I was talking to our, one of our buddies about this, who's a big Corvette guy. And he and I agree that, you know, it's like we talked about with the Blackwing where Cadillac kind of knew, their engineers knew, like, this is kind of our swan song. We're going to go, yeah. be, you know, we're everybody's going electric. And I think Chevy looked at this and said, we are going to make an absolute Thor's hammer of an engine. Pretty much, yeah. So that we can, this will be our our high note. This is the, the pinnacle of what GM engine engineering can do. And so they basically created a, I think it's nearly unheard of. Like most time you get an engine that's kind of a modified version of their existing product. But Chevy went all out and and built a completely new flat plane crank five and a half liter V8 for this 
car. It's it's completely different than the engine that's in the normal C8. Um, yeah. And oh my god, does it sound like? I mean, it sounds like any the best Ferrari you'd want to hear. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, there's a lot of it, the Z06 being the track focused version. There's a lot of styling tweaks. It's got a big front diffuser. It's got a I think kind of a tacky looking rear spoiler to be honest with you, but <laughs> that's that's part of like an options package. You you actually can mm-hmm. spec kind of a normal looking spoiler too. Um, but they've got a lot of bin, like crazy lightweight options. They've got these carbon fiber wheels you can order for like fifteen grand that shave forty eight pounds of unsprung mass. And um, but I think yeah. I watched I watched the entire like twenty three minute promo video that uh, Chevy released about it uh, just because I was fascinated by this car and uh that engine i think could be assuming it doesn't shake itself apart i think could be one of the all-time great naturally aspirated engines which it's exciting to to see more it's exciting to see this last gasp of the internal combustion that's what i was just gonna say i mean you look at the american companies if they if they you know if the writing is on the wall from their perspective that we are going into an EV future, mm-hmm. they are knocking these last ones out of the park. I and mean, yeah. it's just crazy. <laughs> that yeah, car is crazy. I know. It's you know, and, and the performance is, the performance is nuts. I didn't didn't really mention that, but like this is a car that's estimated to start at maybe ninety to a hundred grand and then you can option it up a bit. Um mm-hmm. But zero to sixty is supposedly two point six seconds. I mean, it's you're insane. I mean, in the era of EVs, that's starting to sound less impressive. But I mean, in the, for an internal combustion rear wheel drive car, yeah. like it's this thing, that's that's a missile. That's that's McLaren seven twenty S fast. Yeah, um, and that's and, what's fun about it is it's like at a price point that is you know kind of supercar hypercar territory. Yeah, you no, know? and you can, the performance you can, you can get that. Yeah, the performance for for yes, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot to spend a lot. on a car. It's a lot. Yeah, but when it's competing against cars that cost three times as much, it still yeah. is impressive. It's objectively impressive, and and this engine revs to eighty six hundred RPMs naturally aspirated, like I said. So it's got this beautiful, fairly flat power band. I think maximum horsepower is at eighty four hundred or so RPMs. So, I mean, it's going to pull all the way you know, to red line. Um, and uh, I wonder, I just wonder if I can convince my wife to get rid of her e-tron <laughs> the time is up and get this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you make a really nice convertible version? <laughs> that was, might be the selling point. <laughs> but you know, the, the interesting thing, so a little inside baseball on this is, you know, as with the GT three from Porsche and a lot of these limited edition sports cars, there's obviously a ton of demand. Yeah. And, uh, our buddy Bob has a deposit in on one of these. And how long does he have to wait? So that's that's where it gets interesting. So hmm. he has he Yikes. has he, he's bought other Z06s in the past. He's got a deposit in at his dealer that he goes to, which is one of I think it's the second biggest Corvette dealer in the country in terms of like number of Corvettes they sell. It's a huge Chevy dealership out on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And they told him when he put his deposit down that it was going to be at least a year wait. Mm. And that same dealership actually was quoted in a, in a I think it was on a Jalopnik oh. article. I saw that. They had over a thousand 
pre-order requests for these and customers are expected to wait two to three years for delivery. And that's at the second biggest. So what Bob told me, the real inside baseball here is that the biggest dealership, instead of doing what a lot of, like say the Porsche dealerships do and just call up their best clients and say, hey, are you interested in this? What they're doing is an online, uh, they're doing an online system that opens up at a specific time and then you can try and get your name on the list like immediately. So, you and I, we need to we need to get the sneaker bots together. I know, dude. I know. That's... <laughs> buy up all of those. <laughs> yeah, buy up all the spots and then like flip them for a grand. Or something. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the what I find really really interesting is I think as a uh, as a the the car community, the car nuts among us, the, you know, the petrol heads, whatever you want to call us. I think we're collectively all realizing that this this is it is kind of the end of the yeah. type of cars that we love as we know them. You know, like I'm sure the next <clears throat> 911 is going to be hybridized. You oh, know, yeah. the next Cayman after the G, you know, the next generation Cayman. Yeah. They've already said is going to be an EV. I've heard rumblings. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where I think honestly. I know it sounds crazy, but I was talking with one of my colleagues today mm-hmm. about. Can these things be investments? And I think they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I can't tell you for specifically how long mm-hmm. it's going to be a good investment, but I just think knowing humans, yeah, there's, there's going to be somebody around who, who's like, oh, I got to have that because it's a taste mm-hmm. of the past. Yeah. And not only is it a taste of the past, it's michelin star level like yeah it's right bananas this, this was this was the best version of that kind of technology that you could get you know like yeah. it's 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 why um you know like pre-war cars like there's certain things like the duesenberg that are incredibly collectible because like this was <coughs> that was the pinnacle of the technology and, and and the car at that time um you know i think there have always for something that has such a strong following like cars, um, I think we're in this really unique time where we are transitioning to EVs, but we also are seeing these car companies bringing the full brunt of their decades and yeah. sometimes century plus <clears throat> experience with, you know, yeah, the internal combustion engine, the internal combustion engine. And they're saying they're flexing their muscles and saying, this is, the pinnacle of what we do, it's what we, you know, it's, it's what represents us as a, as a company. And I think they're all taking their last big swing for the fences before the hybridization and electrification future. And, and I think they will be collectible. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I had it before, like my, you know, kind of like I mentioned this flat plane crank V8 could be one of the all time great naturally aspirated engines. I think the engine of my 911 is in yeah. the pantheon of like, all-time great like you know they've they've already said like they're just making minor tweaks to the engine and gt3 rs and the 992 generation but it's essentially the same engine and powertrain because like this, yeah they're just they're gonna do it i um, think if you could hold on to your <clears throat> gt3 rs for 20 years yeah you'd probably recoup every dollar you put into it yeah, I mean, I, I think it. Hundred you know, percent. If you and, if you ended up actually wanting to sell it someday, I'm not right. even kidding about that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, but I think there's going to be this 
there's going to be this group of cars. The Z06 could be one of them. I think the CT5V and the CT4V yeah, Black the Blackwings. could be one of them. Um, you know, I think, honestly, from what I've seen with the Ferrari market, I think the 458 could be one of them. Those prices have all gone up because I think that was the last probably naturally aspirated V8 that Ferrari's ever going to do. <laughs> and so, and I think people realize that and 458 prices have actually gone up like they were a good one was like hovering around 170, 180. And now they're back up into the 220, 230 range. Um, yeah. So I think collectors and, and car lovers and stuff are realizing like this, I need to get one of these, you know, one of these cars while I can. And that's why you have these crazy wait lists. It's not just people have too much money. Like, sure, people probably do have too much money, but like, I think there's also a, a real desire to get in on some of these amazing cars <clears throat> before, you know, all the hybridization happens, before turbos are thrown on everything. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to make for an exciting two or three years of of really amazing cars before we really start getting into the heart of our EV future. Yeah. Well, cool, man. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much this week uh, for listening, everybody. And uh, next week is the uh, Mexican Grand Prix. So I'm sure we'll have a, a Sergio coming at you. Sergio home race. <laughs> Sweet. It'll be it'll be fun to see if uh, it'll be interesting to see how it affects him because I'm sure he's got a billion yeah. and one sponsorship, you know, obligations and stuff while he's in Mexico. But yeah, it should be a fun race. Hopefully, they you know. can get him some drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a functional <laughs> drink system in his car. Poor guy. Um, but uh, you know, Lewis and Max will be back at it again. I'm sure. So uh, yeah, we'll be back. Will. We'll be back this next week with some F1 coverage. And until then, we'll see y'all next week.